0: Hello and welcome to the Sea of Startups, where we dive into the stories behind the startups in Southeast Asia. I'm your host, Kevin Rocklin, Managing Partner of Indelible Ventures. Now, if you're a founder or funder looking to learn more about what drives the startups in Southeast Asia, this podcast is for you. We're about to sit down with founders to uncover the unique insights into the origins and motivations behind launching their startups. We'll uncover the stories behind the struggles, the ups, the downs guided from the view of an entrepreneur. So without any further ado, let's jump into today's show. All right. My guest today is Benjamin Kroc, the co founder of Brio HR. For those of you who don't know, Brio HR is an HR tech platform that automates repetitive tasks and engages employees for maximum productivity. They are currently serving over 1,000 businesses across Southeast Asia. Thank you very much for being here, Benjamin.
1: Thanks for having me, Kevin.
0: So I always ask as a starting point: Take me back to the origin. How did you be decide to become an entrepreneur, and how did you lead towards the path of HR tech and Brio HR?
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's really actually uh, I guess unexpected. <laughs> uh, for example, why I say that is that um, one month before deciding. To you know, to start Etra and to dedicate literally all my energy and time, uh, at least professionally, to it, um, I would never have thought I would ever be an entrepreneur. So, 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 if I take a, a step back, uh, uh, I, I used to to be a, a manager, a people manager. So I was managing large teams in the different companies I worked in or projects, and it was all about wondering why do I not have this visibility? Why do I have nothing to really manage my teams better, uh, make 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 my people more productive, more engaged and everything? And that's really started from here without being a tech guy, without being a wannabe entrepreneur, without being an HR guy. But at some point it kind of clicked uh, in a way where um, those pain points that I was experiencing as a, as a manager, as a business unit manager and so on, uh, really... Uh, you know, at some point, came to my mind and grew into my mind uh, to the point that I started writing features of a software that would be cool, and I in, I even thought that at the time that I invented, you know, the the, the concept of these uh, HR tools. Um, so suddenly, it became really bigger than me. Like from from really again non tech, non HR, non entrepreneur. The only thing I could care about and think about was to start this. HR tech company, which is known as as Brio HR. So it really happened suddenly uh, in the in the year 2018, and uh, and yeah, and, and and that 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 took me here. So very quickly, I aligned with my soon-to-be co-founder, uh, with a, a, a friend of mine that I had met at INSEAD a couple of years before, and and same for him. He was not necessarily an HR professional, but when we started talking and and chatting about this project this idea uh, it was very clear that despite both of us having very different professional experiences we we felt the same pain we felt the same pain so different companies different environments different countries different everything but the same pain so that's really what uh, got us to decide very quickly to just you know stop everything we were doing at the time and and start on the brio hr journey
0: okay okay and after after INSEAD, you worked as a consultant right so how did, how did that experience lend itself to being able to identify the playing point, understand the need uh, that the market had and really kind of develop that intent uh, towards figuring out what you were going to build yeah
1: that, that's really during this consulting uh, stint with McKinsey that that everything like came came together um I can even, link it to one specific you know discovery chat with with one client uh, a large company in the in the region and and we were there to help them uh, reorganize uh, their b2b division so reorganize in terms of putting the right people in the right places to be uh, you know embracing the the challenges uh, of tomorrow basically and uh, i remember And again, we are talking about a large company, a large division with roughly 10,000 people. And I remember that when we arrived and did the typical consulting things, meaning asking questions first, um, trying to understand where we stand. For example, what are the processes you have in terms of HR and people management? Uh, Can you show us any flowcharts, anything you you might have? Um, And then the answer was, oh, no, we actually don't have uh, anything documented. We don't have flowcharts and so on. So we're like, okay, no worries. We will help you with that. Uh, Can you maybe share with us an org chart? And the answer was like, "Mm, actually, we don't really have an org chart to date. (laughs) Maybe we have one from six months ago. But six months ago in a company this size, you know, it's it's outdated almost since five months, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So then, okay, no problem. We will help you with that. Uh, You told us you were recruiting for very senior positions in that division like really the top executives. Can you maybe share with us the job descriptions? What profile exactly are you looking at? And maybe we can help you refine, you know, this, this search. Oh, actually, uh, we don't have job descriptions yet and so on. So, you know, it, it's kind <laughs> of when it clicked literally during that discussion, I'm like, how come I hear that uh, companies want to engage their employees? You know, like like really do, do better productivity, get uh, people to express their full potential and so on when you don't even know how many people you have in your company to mm. begin with, you know, let alone knowing their interests, their skills, anything. So, so it's really when it first clicked that mm, even companies like that, very large companies, which is not necessarily the target market for Brio HR, we are more on the mid market than on the enterprise segment. Mm-hmm. Um, even those companies who have money, who have an absolute need of being you know, fully digitized, at least for, for some of the areas. They, they, they didn't have any clue, uh, so so that's where I really felt uh, there was uh, there was a huge need, uh, and that the pain I had experienced in my previous companies was something that you know many companies potentially were uh, feeling. And maybe if I just uh, finish, so we we thought we had invented something with my co-founder, only to realize that it was indeed. An industry that was existing, you know, with the SAP of this world, uh, the Oracle of this world, the Workday of this world, when it comes to the to the enterprise, but yet we we could see with our own eyes and our own experience that companies were not equipped, even though it exists since mm-hmm. decades, companies are just not equipped. Hmm.
0: Is, is there any specific insight that you gathered in that discovery call as to why, if 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 there was already the Oracle's, the SAPs, those types of companies that that are existing out there, why were these, why were those companies not signing up for it? Is 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 there is there some sort of friction that also when that you also realized that also went into kind of build the initial building of Brio HR?
1: Yeah, I actually, I realized that over the, the the following couple of weeks, basically, I realized that they had those tools, mm. they had subscribed, and that the problem came uh, from two levels of fragmentation, fragmentation, of fragmentation in terms of the tools themselves, like using something for that purpose, using something else for the other purpose, and so on and so on. So a, a lot of products who didn't necessarily cover the full employee journey, nor communicate with each other well. And the second level of fragmentation was the people, like the the, the the divisions within that company were not necessarily communicating enough about what kind of tools, how to use them, and so on. And, and I think one of the reasons that didn't make it uh, easy was also that those solutions, again, the SAP Workday Oracle, they are extremely heavy, extremely complex, and they are not geared toward the end user at all. They are geared toward the CEO. It's they are giant databases. They are not here to make it easy on uh, the the, <laughs> the end user, which is the, the the employee. So this doesn't help to really, you know, help the the whichever software, whichever application permeate throughout the whole organization. And that's exactly what what we set on doing with BrioHR.
0: Okay. Okay. So you realize the lack of systems. You realize the need case around having the information and all of that, as well as understanding that whatever, whatever you were going to build had to be able to penetrate through the entirety of the organization to get the usability in order to get the impact and the results that the intention of these platforms are designed for so then the next stage i'm assuming is you start deciding hey let's build an mvp and and start putting a product together tell me a little bit about what was that mvp and what was the process like in building it in the first place
1: yeah i mean it, it, it was uh, for sure tough again we we knew nothing um, my co-founder and, and myself about entrepreneurship. We are, we are not supposed to be entrepreneurs, at least me, uh, uh, until we actually became so. Mm. Um, so. So we didn't necessarily have a lot of money and so on, yet the, uh, the product that we were envisioning is actually a fairly big, a fairly ambitious product, you know, covering the full employee journey across multiple countries and so on and so on was very big. So the first thing that we had to be very clear on was indeed... <laughs> What to build first? We kind of knew because of the the size of the application we were about to to give life to, if I I may say, (laughs) um, is uh, we we were very clear that we had to go and raise a fairly early round of funding, a pre-seed, because um, we just just were not developers ourselves, yet we wanted to build a complex software. So really, the, the very first thing that we thought about in terms of the MVP was... What should we build to communicate our vision to the people who we'll talk to in order to raise a seed round? We didn't want to come here with just a PowerPoint. We didn't have any track record of entrepreneurship, successful ventures, exits, whatever. So it was really about what will illustrate the best what we want to do that we can afford to build, which means it needs to be free or, or close mm-hmm. so uh, the the way we went about it is really like uh, hustling to uh, find you know some interns that would we would like basically to 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 start the experience who would help us build some stuff on you know like the the mock tools like envision or the or the likes mm-hmm. um and um and there's some uh, Friends, some software developer friends, we would who, we would compensate them, but they were being uh, kind with us in terms of the rates and so on. Uh, yeah. So that's that's really how we started to build something. And and the very first, uh, you know, clickable thing, if I may say, I will not say MVP or, yeah. or, or anything sellable, but the very first clickable and showable uh, thing was actually an mock shot uh, on the back of an onboarding new journal onboarding. Module, So that's I, that took us a couple of months, again, from scratch with no experience, even in software development, uh, to get to something we could uh, start showing because we felt that the HR component, as opposed to the, you know, like admin component of HR, which maybe covers payroll, leave and so on, we felt the HR component, new journal onboarding, performance management, uh, and so on, was closer to what we really wanted to, to do um so that's that's why we we started with one of, of those uh, one of those modules and the org chart i don't know if you can link to my story before but uh, this big company not having an org mm-hmm. chart i i i found it like mm, that's a problem that's a problem <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's 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 quite interesting how many companies don't actually know what their headcount is, what the roles and responsibilities across departments is, how many people are in those departments, and all of the things that you would assume uh, top level management would have kind of uh, a handle on. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's uh, it, it's really what we saw uh, at first. It was an hypothesis, but a mm-hmm. documented one, and then I mean, it's still truer than ever. Uh, today and we are trying to obviously fill fill the gap and solve that okay and then the new joiner is is that
0: more on like the compliance and training side training side of it where here's the company's policies and procedures here's getting your uh, payroll set up all of those types of layers is that is that what that new joiner uh, essentially was
1: yeah exactly exactly and uh, i mean in, in, in Southeast Asia in general, the, the turnover, the employee turnover tends to be way higher than, for example, in, in, in Europe. Oh, yeah. Um, for many reasons, uh, including the, the dynamism of the, of the economy. Of sure, this. sure. Um, so of, by nature, it means that more people leave companies, more people join companies. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, this tends to be a very overlooked uh, HR process. But every company, actually, or almost every company need to manage it. And Mm -hmm. it's complex to manage, not in terms of individual tasks to be complex, but the the entirety of the process involves maybe, depending again on the company, but 10, 20, 50 tasks. Mm -hmm. So if you have 50 tasks in a process that lasts maybe three to six months, you know, from the pre-borning, two, three months before joining the company, up to maybe the end of the probation period, it can be literally three, four, five, six months. Depending on the setup. So now, if you have many people at different stages at any point of time in this process, you quickly understand how much of a hassle it is for HR people to manage, even for their, for the employees, the new joiners, managers, future Mm -hmm. managers. Then uh, it's all about. Communicating documents, the managing the timeline. When will the laptop is there, be ready? When mm-hmm. when the training is supposed to take place, and so on and so on. So, so this is this is a pain that I um, uh, clearly experienced when I, I was leading a, a shared services center in Malaysia. So fairly higher turnover than even the high the already high turnover, sure. um, and really about processes and execution. So it was very important to have a proper onboarding to get people to execute. Uh, and to be uh, ramped up as fast as possible upon them joining the company so that's really where it comes from and where what it tries to to solve Um, and that's the first thing we we decided to tackle.
0: okay okay no that's 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 interesting and and when when you look at the different roles within an organization the onboarding process can become quite different as well um, you know, some, you know, I, I, I'd have to assume if you're in a technical role, your computer and your laptop is going to be significantly better than if you're in a different type of role that doesn't require. Or if you're in sales, for example, part of your onboarding is also what's the ramp up period on sales? There may be pro- probationary periods. I imagine uh, for large organizations because of the high churn rate, but in also for fast growing organizations as well. That it's pretty easy to lose track of these things. So, not only can you kind of forget the probationary period, and then if somebody's not working out, now you have financial costs, all of these different sort of quantifiable impacts, right?
1: Yeah, definitely. And, and we had some examples of um, clients who said uh, before using BrioHR for their onboarding, they literally got new joiners and they had forgotten to get their bank details. And because they were fairly large companies with like heavy processes in order to update data in terms of timeline and so on, they just couldn't pay the first month of salary to that person. They had to, they had to pay it along with the second month uh, during the second month. So mm. it's, it's a simple thing. Oh, we forgot to get your bank details. But actually, once again, I don't blame them. Uh, they might have, I don't know, 20, 30 people a month entering their onboarding, you know, process. Mm -hmm. And if you multiply that over six months worth of onboarding, you have literally close to 200 people at any point of time being in the onboarding process, each of them at different stages. And so, I mean, it's complex, right? So definitely, we help uh, keep track of that. And there is no more, you know, like PowerPoints that you exchange to fill up some information, obviously, Excel, obviously, Word, even emails. Everything can be centralized. So you know that everything about anyone, including payroll setup and so on, is in the same place. That you just have to type their name and find the information. So that's we really, literally, day and night. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 again, I think it's one of the most important processes in any company. Mm-hmm. Give the first impression that you want to give uh, mm-hmm. to your new joiners and so on. And I don't think it's the it's given enough um, you know attention.
0: Uh, Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't even go to so far without having data to support with with what I'm about to say. I would have to imagine poor onboarding procedures also impact higher churn rates because you're not giving the tools and the advantages, whether from a managerial standpoint or documentation standpoint, or all of these different factors that go involved that that get involved into the onboarding that you're affecting the churn.
1: Yeah, com- completely. I, I mean I, I remember my own onboarding in a in a company. I have many anecdotes of, of people sharing with me their, their onboarding. Um you know, I, I I was I was struggling every couple of hours to issue some reports because I felt that my colleagues like knew the numbers and I didn't know how they did, but I, they knew the numbers very, very well. I mean I, Actual numbers, you know, day-to-day, intraday numbers. So not something they have learned by experience, but something they had access to. So I had the tool. I was trying to run my own reports. And um, after maybe, yeah, six weeks, two months, uh, someone basically told me, oh, but, you know, you're not in the distribution list. I'm like, what do you mean, distribution list? Mm-hmm. Distribution list, this report is sent to uh, many people every two hours, and you have a heat map of the numbers that matter across you know different divisions uh, and so on and i'm like guys i'm hired in a very fairly senior position so it's okay i, I can i can hold my own i can find my way i i, I will not you know i will not necessarily uh, have an issue with that even though i felt that i wasted so much time and even it created a bit of stress you know trying to catch up and, mm. and so on in a totally new job but as a senior uh, in a senior role you find your way. I mean, it, it's it's fine. But in a more junior role, similar experience, I understand that someone would say, hey, it's not for me. Just, sure. just because they were not properly informed about a few basic things. Oh, basically, you will need this kind of report. Then make sure you're on that distribution list. This is yeah. the kind of, of task, you know, you mentioned yeah. the laptop before, but it can even go to the actual job things sure. that are easy to to, to, to share. Mm. But that's, if you don't, it, it will cause the new journal to really leave a, a very difficult first few weeks. And, and, and they can for sure right away decide that it's not mm. the company for them.
0: So how, how then do you tackle that problem? Because I'm going I'm to venture a guess and say from company to company and from department to department that there's differences in the way that they approach the onboarding procedures and all of this. So when you're looking at being able to provide a service that can help automate that and enable better tracking, how do you get the onboarding of the client themselves, the company, the HR department, in order to be able to insert and plan out those different milestones through the onboarding process? Because I, I'd i venture to guess that some of it is it's a combination of standardized and customized, Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, there, there is, I would say, there is one important thing, obviously, that is the platform itself. So we 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 knew and we decided from the get-go uh, to, to start with the hypothesis that uh, the HR pain points were shared across industries, even across geographies, at least when it comes to things such as onboarding. So, of course, platform-wise, we had to build from the get-go, which required a, an upfront investment and even cultural investment in the company in a way for, for many reasons to have uh, a platform that is as flexible as possible while remaining standardized for the, for the sake of the, of the, of the mm-hmm. business model itself and also for the sake of the of good usability like the, the more flexible the more complex sure. uh, it is to use so we had to find the right balance. To cater for all different use cases of different companies, different sizes, different industries, different countries. And within those companies, as you rightfully said, different departments and so on. So we need to build this platform. And at the same time, we always operate in a very consultative, almost consulting way, even though it's not a, a, an actual, uh, you know, business line of us to, 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 to do consulting. But in, in reality, we do. Consulting when we can to help our clients uh, use some of our maybe pre-built onboarding processes, or even to suggest something that might work better than whatever they were actually doing and they might be struggling on. So we we there are there are those two layers which which help maintain a healthy balance of you know flexibility, never mm. customization. It's always you know like the the engine is built in a flexible way, sure. uh, and at the same time um, helping them. Um, mm-hmm. why because we are talking to thousands of hr people every year so we know the best practices about this or that process at, at least we have heard about different ways to handle different situations and so on so we are always very happily sharing this and helping our clients you know configure uh, these kind of things if they if they need it if they ask us and so on
0: okay okay so then move moving forward as as the company progresses so you 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 have the 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 org chart you have the onboarding how do you go to market and get your first customers what what, what, what was the tactic that you took in order for getting those initial customers because oftentimes in this part of the world people are wary of startups when they're when they're onboarding new softwares
1: yeah i mean it, it, it's true and i i, I think I, I think it would not come as a surprise to many entrepreneurs, but it was really true <laughs> mm-hmm. and 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 by that I mean so the 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 fun story is that uh, we built the platform in a way that was uh, that we were able to launch it to commercialize it really uh, in March 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, so if if you remembered what was uh, happening at the time. Uh, Like literally, I think on the 16th of March or or, I mean, throughout the month of March in many countries, Mm -hmm. there were the uh, COVID lockdowns. Yeah. Just as we were starting to commercialize, uh, we had started meeting, you know, some prospects and so on that we had found in February and so on. But but just as we were starting to commercialize a bit the old way, I would say, Mm -hmm. like starting by literally show up and at, at events, talk to people. Uh, go to their office, do an in-person demo, and so on and so on. So right away, we couldn't do that. Um, but obviously, we still had, you know, a, a network and a network's network, uh, if I may say, and, and that's really what we what we pushed for. So we found those people who understood our vision for the platform, even though not everything was there, not everything was in place at the time. Not everything was as good looking as as today because we we have a we have an amazing like interface and everything but let's be clear when it very first started it was a bit more uh, simple I would say mm, sure, sure. Um, but 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 still a lot of people were uh yeah were appreciative of our real intention to help like not not copying on something else or someone mm. else but really go from them to mm. build you know in sequence the different features that we wanted to build and so on, focusing on on what method, even if that's something even if that's an industry that existed before with a lot of players to to, to copy from, we mm-hmm. didn't we were of course looking at what was the, what was done and, and so on but but we really worked by talking to our clients like really hundred percent of the time all the time, and uh, this helped us gain the initial trust as as you say it's a, it's it's a, it's a market where sometimes startups even still 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 today even though um, maybe not maybe less today let's say but up to uh, you know a year ago a couple of years ago um, it was a question that we had to face yeah but you're in startup uh, how can we be sure and so on but then people could see first how committed we were mm. to solving their their pain and then they were actually seeing in real time, the product evolving towards something that was more and more sure. useful to them um, helped, again, our network and our network's network. I'm not I'm not talking about friends, but I'm talking mm-hmm. about people you could reach out to in, sure. in one one um, Yeah, constituted our, our, our initial base of, of, of clients. Uh, we also started to make some... Uh, to communicate, I would say, online very early on. Uh, I, I remember this very first uh, event we showed up uh, to, which was in April 2019. So one year almost before we even started to have uh, something to commercialize, sure. where we, sh- we we just printed a, a nice banner showcasing our product, which was obviously uh, fairly basic uh, one year before being <laughs> sellable, and um, and we started once again meeting people, gathering interest, understanding the pain, and so on and so on. So we had to do a few PowerPoint based. Uh, demos, you know, on the on the following few months, um, but it also helped us, you know, get some visibility, starting uh, to build a, an online presence uh, on LinkedIn or even on, mm-hmm. on Google and so on. And, and I'm talking fully uh, organic stuff, but at least we 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 got started earlier. So when we actually started to sell our product, many actually thought we were not that new of a company.
0: Okay. Okay. So you you, you kind of, you kind of tricked the market a little bit by by putting the name out there before the product was saleable. So it, it started building that. I, I don't want to say trick. Maybe I should take that back. But there's a, there's an aspect of going from awareness to intent when you're talking about building a brand of a company and getting those marketing channels in order. You really need that awareness, which takes time.
1: Exactly. It, it takes time. And and honestly, once again, we didn't know really what we were doing. Hmm. Um, at the time, we we're just starting one year before having our first client and so on. So we never really said we have a product, uh, you know, pay something and, and 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 then take a one year to, to 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 build it and and so on. It was it was always more sharing our mindset. Okay. We we already had the mindset and the culture of the company,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which was really like a, um, I like this tagline. I think it's from a HubSpot customer service, but which is solve for the customer yeah the idea is to is to understand the actual pain behind you know what's what's happening what is being asked and so on and and go beyond basically uh, okay so it okay. was more this actually that it helped build mm. um and then uh, we were very clear that hey the product is uh, right now in a in a non-usable version it could mm. be by that time um in the meantime would you be okay to meet with us and, and, and go a bit deeper with us in terms of what would help you? Okay. So it's it really what we did. Um, we, we didn't, you know, um, I, I, I would say we didn't fake it until you make it, you know, we, we <laughs> were just like, uh, yeah, talking to people and, 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 yeah. and openly sharing our vision of people management, our vision yeah. of HR and our vision of the platform that we were at the time. Still building.
0: I, I imagine that inclusiveness and continuing those conversations and 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 structuring it so that you're providing updates and and periodically uh, continuing the engagement played out quite well. You did mention something earlier, and you you mentioned you alluded to it again just now of. Talking about what your vision on people management is, and previously you talked about sharing what the product features that you wanted to build are. And so I'm curious of how, you know, when your starting point is one thing, and then you start thinking about what the product roadmap ought to look like, what do you want to build? Can you tell me a little bit about the logic around how you decided the roadmap, how you prioritized it? When you're having these sessions, did you utilize that to reprioritize, adjust, and then ultimately leading up to kind of launching them and in and, and sequence?
1: I mean, the, the, the roadmap, I believe, is one of the toughest uh, challenge uh, for mm. any entrepreneur. Uh, <laughs> I, I remember when starting that, and I've heard that from many others that, you know, you fear not having enough ideas hmm. to you know to fuel this roadmap and to fuel basically your company as you go. Uh, so it's not only product but it's many things. Um, and and what we have experienced is it's the, the answer that I usually heard at the time when I was hearing I, I'm afraid of not having enough ideas that the problem is not about having ideas. It's you will have so many that uh, you will struggle prioritize. Hmm. Um, and and that's actually what what has happened. So so we, if, if I start once again at the beginning, beginning, we kind of invented all-in-one HR platform, and I'm saying that a bit, uh, you know, naively, and I'm, I'm okay to say that because it was existing already for decades, but we didn't know. <laughs> we just didn't know. So, so what I mean by that is that we were already from day one, or from day zero, super clear about what the platform should look like.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, obviously, we learned so much and it made us uh, uh, adjust and, and constantly readjust on the roadmap, the exact sequence, um, the exact uh, features that we may have thought about differently earlier on and so on and so on. So obviously we, we have this, this constant thing. But if I if I summarize the way I see it uh, and it's what we applied to, to Brio, uh, it's about really finding the balance between what interests you. What do you want to be building? Because it's tough to build. What do you want to be building? And and this, I will never compromise. I will never be doing what I've done for the past four-ish years um, if I was not absolutely passionate about every single day of the roadmap.
0: Mm.
1: Um, So that's for me the first non-negotiable, whatever feature. Uh, And the second thing, of course, because I I talked about the balance, uh, the second thing is knowing that, how do you make healthy, thriving company. And obviously, this links to the clients. So to give an example, we, we really first started with uh, HR modules. So mm-hmm. I mentioned the onboarding, we had discussion around performance management, um, we had discussion about recruitment, you know. Um, but in Southeast Asia especially, payroll, for instance, is an absolutely necessary part of HR. Mm. Uh, or At least of an all-in-one HR platform, let's say. Um, so, so you know, even though we 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 wanted to to focus on the on the HR aspect, uh, we knew that we had to build payroll, and um, and we balanced it. So we started with onboarding, performance, talk to clients, built our brand around this, built our credibility as well around those, and then uh, starting to build payroll. Then, of course, payroll. Especially when you cover multiple countries, as we do, and so on, it's it's very. Uh, I mean, it, you can go very deep. So, so when we knew that payroll was an enabler to our uh, to our HR modules and so on, we really went deep in payroll because again, we knew what why we were doing that. We knew what what benefit to the company and what uh, progress towards our mission. You know, really to the, the the people component and and so on. It was bringing to, to go deeper in payroll. So, so it's, it's constantly a, a balance, but yeah, again, HR, I no uh, not payroll. And then uh, the, the, what we call the admin automation. So payroll, leave management, you know, expense claims and so on. So all the slightly more transactional things, but which are extremely core and important to every single company. We were just adding the other layer and we wanted to, even the, the internal culture of the company to be aligned, that we are we are not a an HR admin company like 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 many, but we are a, an HR and people management company. Even though in the end you have similarities um, uh, in terms of the modules you build, in terms of features you build, you still have some differences in terms of how you build your sales, your support, your communication online, everything basically around the product.
0: Mm, mm. So, so you know, when you, when you're talking about the payroll side, just just to kind of delve into that, it's a really complicated one. So if if it's if it's an expectation that it's included, when you start talking about geography to geography, and even some countries within the different provinces or states or however they they term them, you have different tax rates, you have different uh, requirements, etc how do you how do you manage that in, in keeping with the standardization so you don't let the development costs and the levels of localization get a bit out of control
1: yeah i mean it, it's it's uh, it's uh, it's a big challenge uh, but that we love <laughs> we, again we we started uh, we started i mean we started a company so mm-hmm. it, I guess that's true for many most if not all entrepreneurs. Um, knowing or at least quickly understanding that it was going to be a challenge. So obviously, we, we, we like challenge, but we also, from day one, knew that we wanted to cover you know multiple countries, mm-hmm. starting with Southeast Asia, APAC. Um, so everything we've done, and in fact, the March 2020 lockdown, when we were just starting to commercialize, helped us in a way with that. Everything we've done, everything we have structured in the company was to cater for multi-country while remaining efficient because we didn't have the resources of big multinational. Mm -hmm. Um, So the product from the get-go was built and architectured, which is not easy and Mm -hmm. which is, I don't think it's really possible if you have not thought about it from day one or day zero uh, again. Um, But the product was built in a way that could be adapted to multiple countries. Um so there are modules which are less dependent on localization than payroll mm-hmm. we still build them in a way that they could cater for different best practices from country to country because there, there are differences in terms of best practices it's not law it's not regulations but different best practices different ways to handle performance management and so on. Mm-hmm. So when it comes back to payroll it was it was kind of the same uh, from from the very beginning you know, a first, there is, there is a something that, that I think illustrates this fairly well. Mm-hmm. Our first three real users. I'm not saying paying clients, slightly like mm-hmm. okay. uh, March 2020, early days. First three real users. We're, we're still three super legit companies. Mm-hmm. Things that many startups would say, Oh, no, 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 don't start with that. It's too complicated. Mm-hmm. One was a company, which is a, a super fast uh, growing fintech in Singapore. Uh, close to 50 employees. One was a fintech in Indonesia, more than 100 employees already when they started using BriHR. And one was, uh, what I call a, a traditional SME in Malaysia with 300 employees. So from, from, from day one, the feedback we would receive, the feedback we would seek was coming from three companies in different industries, each in one country. Um, with different levels of complexity, different practices and so on and so on. So we built the entire Brio HR can do culture, I would say, mm. in, in, in this mindset, which, which was a, which was not easy. It's not the easiest choice. You, you'd rather yeah. maybe choose a, a smaller niche mm-hmm. and to serve a, a simpler subset of companies. Right and 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 then maybe play the user game a bit more uh, rather than the you know being ready to to literally expand to the region but we decided to do otherwise we decided to 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 do everything we could so that we know what it is to go international in Southeast Asia with different set of companies.
0: Okay. Okay. So. When, when you sell internationally, um, is all of that activity coming from the home base in Malaysia or did you have to set up local teams to be the kind of the on the ground force to, to, to push it out into the market?
1: Uh, today, we have uh, we have mostly two countries where we have teams, you know, like, uh, like local teams, uh, which are Malaysia and Singapore. Okay. Um, but we have clients in more than 10 countries. Um, And all those came, you know, like, uh, like uh, via online and uh, online implementation, online support, Mm -hmm. online, everything. Um, But, uh, but we believe that as we are, you know, expanding deeper and deeper in the region, uh, we actually believe um, in uh, in local teams.
0: Okay. And so sticking with that theme of uh, plans going forward, what is next for Brio HR? And I guess I'll add an open, a little bit of an open-ended question on top of that, which is how would you define success to know whether or not you're doing the right things?
1: The, so the, the next steps uh, would be really to, 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 you know, to push further in terms of internationalization. We have always uh, considered our, our starting countries malaysia and singapore but a bit more malaysia because that's where most of our ops are um as great product market fit countries right so we didn't want to expand too much across the region uh, because we didn't want to spread ourselves too thin considering we had startup Mm. resources yet we wanted to to build our knowledge our experience and our our foundation to expand uh, in a country that was again close to the other countries, even though each country in the region, as we know, is different, mm-hmm. closer as possible to the, to what we will find when we go to, to other countries. Mm-hmm. So right now we are really in this, in this phase of uh, heavier internationalization. Uh, we are uh, about to, to launch um, Indonesia payroll very soon. Uh, we are uh, pushing also in already our own countries of Malaysia and Singapore. And we have built everything so that we can expand to the other countries very fast. So, so that's mm-hmm. the next step is really about uh, this, when it comes to defining success, I think it it comes in two ways. First, the the input. <laughs> uh, so, in terms of input, we wanted from the get go to uh, build a, a sound business uh, that was uh, able to cover the full region. So, it's very into what I said earlier. We want to accomplish this internationalization, and we have put everything in place the foundation in order to be able to do that. But now we are executing on this. The second aspect, of course, is more the, you know, the, the output, like like the, the the mission in a way that, that mm-hmm. we set for ourselves. And uh, for us is uh, to serve and, and really help companies in the region to really have a better grasp of their people and to really help their people express the maximum of their potential for both the, the need of, uh, of the companies And of course for the people themselves. Um, Quantifying that, I mean, we are we are often referring Mm -hmm. to more than a million users, so a million employees. Mm -hmm. Uh, Obviously, in the long long term, uh, we want to do more than that. But um, we would feel we would feel happy. uh, We will feel happy the the day we can celebrate this milestone.
0: Okay. Okay. Now this, this has been hugely insightful in order to get a better understanding on how you, how you came to launch, how you've navigated through, throughout this process. But let me wrap up here with the standard closing questions that I ask everyone. And so the first one is, what is a tech tool that you just cannot live without?
1: I, I do those ways qualify for <laughs> me <The only, laughs> ways is and, and will maybe not forever be, but, but, uh, but so far has been honestly the, the one tool I couldn't do without with no proper alternative and so on. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. yeah. Like, especially yeah, having, having the directions really to get
0: from one meeting to the next is without a doubt uh, necessary, especially in tough traffic cities.
1: <laughs> yes. It remains a very, traditional uh, app in a way just because it's <laughs> super established for quite some time yeah. but it still remains the one that i never forget to turn on <laughs>
0: <laughs> very cool very cool La- last question here if you were to talk to another startup founder that's just getting going what would be the biggest piece of advice that you could offer
1: um i think there is something that. That I learned from, uh, you know, attending YC Y Combinator, mm. uh, and I, I like that, especially them seen and known as being, you know, like uh, those crazy uh, investors want to invest super early to get the most money possible in the end and so on. Sure. Uh, but there is something that they that they, they discuss and that they, they they highlight a lot, which is staying poor. Mm. So, so the point is, don't necessarily listen too much to people around you. To tech crutch headlines, uh, to VT <laughs> saying no, whatever it is, uh, if you are not delusional, meaning that if your project actually brings some value to someone yeah, and that you can harness enough of that value to make it profitable, to make it growing and, and, and that you enjoy running as a business, then really the point is just keep at it, watch the cash, make sure you don't run out of cash, mm. however, big or small, your Bernie's, whatever, watch it. Make the decisions that you need to make, however tough they are, but Mm -hmm. just stay in the game. Stay in the game, be happy in the end, however tough it was, however big the business becomes, however small it is. As long as you're not delusional, embrace the the journey and just stay in the game. Stay in the game. and, And if there is potential for this business and you work hard at it, it will happen. And I think this really resonated with me a lot because it's a simple thing that we tend to forget you know oh if you're not a unicorn or whatever within four years you a failure why because because it's all what people are talking about if you're not in generative AI right now we are not in generative AI of course we, we already leverage a lot of it uh, mm. in the product and um, uh, in the I would say back office uh, operations sure. but if you're not right now honestly there is no room in the news for you who cares Okay. Yeah, it's the,
0: it's the hype cycles of tech crunch. Don't 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 worry about everything that you're reading yeah. in there, all the doom and gloom of the VC winter and all of these different exactly. things.
1: Yeah, exactly. Some people are still building chairs for you to sit. It's not generative mm-hmm. AI, it's not tech, but they are they have be, they have built great businesses for most. Yeah. <laughs> so
0: yeah. A,
1: if you like it and there is potential, just be careful that there is potential, however, again, small or big or not. Right. Just stay stay in the game and I, I yeah it really changes your mindset like okay
0: yeah yeah no i th- I think that's fantastic advice because you know the, the the pathway towards unicorn oftentimes is is being able to repeat funding round after funding round but oftentimes as you get further along it's it's based upon some of the hype cycles as well different industries fall out of favor by no fault of the business owner but if you have something durable things come back it, you know the the idea is just kind of staying there and if you fall off of it so what if you've built a meaningful business and you're happy with where you're at and what you've done then it doesn't really matter if you if yeah. you want st- to if you don't, don't stick on that path anymore
1: definitely maybe maybe a good tip could be to listen to to podcasts about a traditional or let's say non-tech uh, business uh, builders and 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 let them tell you 20 years 30 years after Hmm. that, these uh 10 12 percent year-over-year growth actually led to something super big in the end and that they like building you know
0: maybe maybe that's an idea for a future episode of this podcast is to get a get a couple of those types of uh, entrepreneurs that build long-lasting businesses that maybe aren't the vc sexy but ended up becoming quite sizable anyways yeah
1: exactly and of course it's it's a it's not to choose one or the other it's just to say that the outcome will be will be good obviously you want to go especially when you're vC backed you want to go as fast as as big and so on but just that you know they, they are there are there are good outcomes no matter what
0: <laughs> absolutely well benjamin this has been a fantastic conversation i really appreciate you sharing and i think that advice is a great way to end the conversation on a very high note uh, and i hope every entrepreneur takes it to heart
1: thanks a lot for having me again and, uh, and thanks for the discussion Kevin.
0: All right, that wraps it up for another fantastic episode of The Sea of Startups. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. Go on to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review. It's the best way for us to get discovered and to have these startup stories reach a broader audience. If you have any suggestions or would like to get in touch, you can email me at kevin at indelible.vc. As always, I'm your host, Kevin Brocklin from Indelible Ventures, and this is the Sea of Startups.